Well, how many of you survived the snowstorm that we had? Let me just say, they cry wolf so much here about the weather that you almost turn a deaf ear to it. You really do. You don't want to, but it almost happened. Lori flew in from California at 6 p.m. Friday evening. Roads are fine. I go down to get her. Runways are dry. Roads are dry. And uh, I said, well, are you hungry? Do you want something to eat? And she says, yeah, I could do So we began to try to find someplace open <laughs> to have a Friday night meal. I mean, seriously. Now, that's crying wolf. But it doesn't top Hawaii. Can you believe that? Maybe you have heard, maybe you haven't heard. A ballistic missile attack is coming. And they announced that on the news in Hawaii. Yesterday, 38 minutes later, oh, false alarm. Oh, my goodness. That's crying wolf, by the way. Anyway, we're in 2 Samuel chapter 1. David has heard of Saul and Jonathan's death on the battlefield. And as we begin the book of 2 Samuel, we're given a few more details of Israel's first king and his demise. So 2 Samuel 1, we'll read the first 10 verses of chapter 1. Now it came to pass after the death of Saul... When David had returned from the slaughter of the Amalekites, and David had stayed two days in Ziklag, on the third day, behold, it happened that a man came from Saul's camp with his clothes torn, dust on his head, and so it was when he came to David that he fell on the ground and prostrated himself. And David said to him, Where have you come from? So he said to him, I have escaped the camp of Israel. And David said to him, How did the matter go? Please tell me. And he answered, The people have fled from the battle. Many of the people are fallen and dead. And Saul and Jonathan, his son, are dead also. So David said to the young man who told him, How do you know that Saul and Jonathan, his son, are dead? Then the young man told him and said, As I happened by chance to be on Mount Gilboa, there was Saul leaning on his spear, and indeed the chariots and the horsemen followed hard after him. And when he looked behind him, he saw me and called to me, and I answered, Here I am. And he said to me, Where are you? Who are you, rather? And so I answered him, I am an Amalekite. And he said to me, Please stand over me and kill me, for anguish has come upon me, but my life still remains in me. So I stood over him and killed him, because I was sure that he would not live after he had fallen. And I took the crown that was on his head and the bracelet that was on his arm and brought them here to my Lord. David has returned to Ziklag, a city that had been given to him by Achish, the Philistine king, but he finds Ziklag has been burnt by the Amalekites. And David and his men 
they kind of retake the city. It's a burnout city now. They've gone and retrieved their wives and their children and the loot, the property that the Malachites had taken. And then news comes to David of the battle between Israel and the Philistines. And it comes via an eyewitness. David is anxious to hear the outcome of the battle. And he asks the young man, where did you come from? Basically, this man escaped the battle scene and tells David, Saul and his sons are dead. And David wants to know the details, however. And the young man has planned out his story. And he's hoping to receive a reward from David, knowing that Saul had pursued David, trying to kill him. And the young man, what we would call today an opportunist. I happened by chance to be on Mount Gilboa. King Saul, he was wounded, and he used his spear sort of as a crutch. And Saul, King Saul, he called me and asked who I was. And I said, I'm an Amalekite. And Saul said, please come and kill me. Finish me off. And this young Amalekite is expecting a reward from David. He's expecting to become rich from the good news that he thinks he's bringing to David. But he has lied about killing Saul. Saul, as we know, fell on his own sword. And that's because his own armor bearer would not kill him. But this Amalekite, he sees an opportunity there to receive great riches. And he lies to David. I was watching the news this week, and they showed a woman caught on store camera. She was an older woman, and she was in line at a Walmart. And she saw a person drop some money out of their pocket. She picks the money up, and there's a young child looking at her, and she goes to the child, not knowing that she was being taped on the store camera. A while back here, uh, there was a fellow that, he worked around here, a good man. He found a $20 bill out in the parking lot. He asked me, what should I do with the money? But before I could answer him, he said, he figured God was rewarding him for his good works and left that 20 out in the parking lot for him. He was surprised when I said, when I find money, I put it in the offering box. He still kept the 20. Honesty, integrity is what I am when no one is watching. This Amalekite, he's come across Saul, dead Saul, and he takes his crown and he takes Saul's bracelet. And he's the one that probably stripped him off of Saul, a dead Saul. And he's trying to turn this 
fate of Saul into great riches from David. And if it requires him to speak a few untrue lies, well, that's okay. He'll do it. So the Amalekite lies about killing Saul. And he says, so I stood over him and killed him. And here's Saul's crown and here's his bracelet, his personal ornaments, and this is proof that Saul is dead. But David's reaction is not what the Amalekite expects. Let's read verses 11 through 16. Therefore David took hold of his own clothes and tore them. And so did all the men who were with him. And they mourned and wept and fasted until evening for Saul and for Jonathan, his son, for the people of the Lord and of the house of Israel, because they had fallen by the sword. Then David said to the young man who told him, Where are you from? And he answered, I am a son of an alien, an Amalekite. So David said to him, How was it you were not afraid to put forth your hand to destroy the Lord's anointed? So then David called one of his young men and said, Go near and execute him. And he struck him so that he died. So David said to him, Your blood is on your own head, for your own mouth has testified against you, saying, I have killed the Lord's anointed. This Amalekite did not expect David to react the way he did. David and his men, his troops, they go into mourning. And if you've ever seen a Middle East funeral, they mourn loudly and energetically. <laughs> they get after it. They weep and they wail. But David, in his character, would not allow him to rejoice over Saul's death. He can't rejoice at this, even though Saul has sought to kill him on numerous occasions. David had great appreciation and respect for God's anointed. And he would not dare lift a hand against Saul. And now that Saul is dead, David tears his clothes, weeps, and they go into a fast for Saul. And it has broken David's heart to see that the king of Israel is now dead. And not only King Saul, but Jonathan, his closest friend ever, and many of his fellow Israelites are also dead. I'm going to show my age here. Years ago. <laughs> I remember when John F. Kennedy was assassinated. I had just graduated from high school and I was working for the post office and I was a letter carrier. And I just dropped off mail to this one house when the lady of the house announced they just shot the president. This lady was visibly shaken. And I didn't know what to do, what emotions to express, and I was just, you know, flooded with different emotions. 
I had been too young to vote for the president in that election, but in my circle of friends and acquaintances, John F. Kennedy was not the most popular president in there ever, but I was torn. My president had just been assassinated, a definite tragedy. There were actually some people that were happy that he had been assassinated. But almost everybody, to a person, was in shock that the President of the United States could be assassinated here in America. And you know the story of that. But David instantly goes into mourning at the news of Saul's death. And David asked the Amalekite, how was it that you were not afraid to put forward your hand to destroy the Lord's anointed? David has believed the young Amalekite's story because, you know, he had proof of Saul's death. He had his crown. He had his bracelet. There was no rejoicing by David. But there was quick judgment upon the Amalekite. He turns to one of his men and says, execute him right now. No trial, no nothing. Kill him. And then he said, by his own mouth, this Amalekite has testified that he killed God's anointed. And the Amalekite dies for telling a lie. He lied and was greedy, and he paid for it with his life. But David, he's there at Ziklag, where the Amalekites have raided and they've burnt the city. And the Amalekites have done this, and they were a constant enemy of Israel. And now this young Amalekite boasts of killing Israel's king, Saul. And judgment was swift and sure for this Amalekite. This young Amalekite, he knew enough, he understood enough to understand that he was lying, trying to get a reward, but he didn't understand David's love and loyalty to God's anointed. Not for Saul. Don't mistake that. It says for God's anointed. For David, it was wrong for him to come against Saul because he was anointed by God. The Amalekite thought David would react in a vindicative way and take revenge. The Amalekite's decision to try and profit from the death of Saul and sons, it cost him his life. But then David writes a psalm or a song honoring the fallen, a song that honors the king, and a song that honors Jonathan, his best friend. And let's read that psalm. It's, it's a song, and it's in verse 17 through 27. Then David lamented with, his, uh, with this lamentation over Saul and over Jonathan, his son. And he told them to teach the children of Judah the song of the bow 
Indeed, it is written in the book of Jasher. The beauty of Israel is slain on the high places. How the mighty have fallen. Tell it not in Gath. Proclaim it not in the streets of Ascalon. Lest the daughters of the Philistines rejoice. Lest the daughter of the uncircumcised triumph. O mountains of Gilboa, let there be no dew, nor rain upon you, nor fields of offering. For the shield of the mighty is cast away there, the shield of Saul, not anointed with oil. From the blood of the slain, from the fat of the mighty, the bow of Jonathan did not turn back, and the sword of Saul did not return empty. Saul and Jonathan were beloved and pleasant in their lives, and in their death they were not divided. They were swifter than eagles. They were stronger than lions. O daughters of Israel, weep over Saul, who clothed you with scarlet, with luxury, who put ornaments of gold on your apparel. How the mighty have fallen in the midst of the battle. Jonathan was slain in your high places. I am distressed for you, my brother Jonathan. You have been very pleasant to me. Your love to me was wonderful, surpassing the love of women. Now the mighty have fallen, and the weapons of war perished. David, the songwriting psalmist, he was a man that was capable of capturing his thoughts and his emotions in what we would call verse. Have you ever had the inclination to write a psalm or to write a prayer, do it. Do it. Take time to sort out your thoughts in a, in a song or in a, in a psalm to the Lord. David is truly grieved. And he's mournful for the death of Saul. And David honors Saul. He honors his kingship. All the way through this uh, psalm to verse 24. And David had every right to resent Saul. He would not use the opportunities to kill Saul that were given to him. But David would not cross that line. That line of revenge to where he would bring harm to Saul. In fact, he honors Saul with this psalm. What a lesson for us. No show of hands, but have you ever been done, done wrong by a close friend? Betrayed for no reason? Yeah. Have you ever had a family member through jealousy or envy attack you, falsely accusing you of evil. To some extent, every one of us have suffered in that way. David was only good and kind to King Saul while he lived. And now David memorializes Saul with a song when Saul has died. I'm, I'm sure in my own heart, this is one of the reasons that we read of David. He was a man after God's own heart. 
David had a heart that was forgiving and loving. In our scripture reading, Jesus is called out to by this beggar along the roadside, son of David. Son of David. David who has forgiven. David now is doing what he can to memorialize this king that was wanting to kill him. David, the king that brought peace to Israel. And then you have a a blind beggar, like a thousand years later, cry out to Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. David's love and kindness towards Saul, a willingness to forgive him, a man that was intent upon killing him, endears the heart of God towards David. And that's why we will read David, a man after God's own heart. David, Jesus descends from him. Jesus forgives. Jesus has mercy. And he doesn't hold grudges against us, his people. And aren't we glad? David then, he sings of, of Jonathan, and he says, You were very pleasant to me. You were closer than a brother. Your love for me was wonderful beyond the love of women. Now, don't take that wrong, because David had many wives that loved him, and he knew what the love of a woman was, but he said there was something special the way Jonathan loved him. For David and Jonathan, they went through difficult times. And primarily because Jonathan was Saul's son and he was next in line to be king. And even Saul says, you'll never be king as long as David's alive. But that didn't matter to Jonathan. Jonathan had a devotion to David that meant more to him than being king. David, he goes on, he sinned in the past, he will sin in the future, and he lived a life of reaping and sowing. David was betrayed by close friends and family. But Jonathan, the king's son who loved David, knowing that David was to be the next king of Israel, Jonathan was truly, genuinely happy just to be David's friend. Do you have a friend who rejoices in your successes? If you do, you have a treasure. You have a real treasure there. But I say to you and I challenge you, be like Jonathan. Be a treasure to your family and to your friends. Rejoice when they rejoice. Weep when they weep. Be that friend 
that's closer than a brother. Amen. Let me get you a stand. We'll close in prayer. Father, it's been said that the only time we can truly serve you is when we get our eyes off of ourselves and on others. And Lord, that is definitely a truth. Lord, we, we thank you for the example of Jonathan and the way he loved David and cared for him and, and just put David above his own life, above his own success, above his own kingship. Lord, allow us to love others in that way, to love those in and around us, love Lord, with a love that is genuine, a love that seeks the good, the prosperity of others, and is not jealous. Help us to do that, Lord. And that requires us putting down our own agenda sometimes, but so be it. We want to be faithful to you, Lord, and we want to be faithful to our friends and family. And thank you for the example of Jonathan and David and their love for one another. And help us to duplicate it in our lives, Lord. So we pray for this, and we ask for this, and we ask it in your name, Jesus. Amen.